Are you feeling stuck? Are you searching for purpose and a more fulfilling life? Are you looking for inspiration and encouragement? Then this is the place for you. I'm Brooke Moore. I'm Gretchen Jackson. I'm Kelly Strother. I'm Tharwit Lovett. We are Shifter. In this podcast, we will address all things mindset. You will hear real stories from real women who have faced their fears, crushed their limiting beliefs, and have turned their mess into their message by shifting their mindsets and leveling up in business and life. Hi, and welcome to the Shift Her podcast. Today, we have Olivia Vizacaro. Did I say that correctly? Or close enough? Perfectly. Okay. Uh, a former big law litigator and criminal defense attorney. She runs the Less Stressed Lawyer, a boutique life coaching practice for lawyers. And as a certified life coach, she works with lawyers who are overworked, overstressed, overwhelmed, and over it. Through her coaching work, she teaches lawyers how to practice emotional management, improve time management, balance their workload, and make themselves and their well being their top priority. So they can start living lives with less stress and far more fulfillment. Hi, Olivia. Thank you so much for joining us today. Um, Olivia and I met, I don't know, it's probably last year. It's been a couple years ago at a legal tech conference. Um, and we uh, talked about well-being and we've kind of gotten to know each other and we got to be on a panel together this year. So I'm super excited that you agreed uh, to join us today. And you have so many things. I was taking notes the whole time you were talking in your presentation. And so I know there's so much that you can provide for our ladies and our audience today. So welcome. Um, and if you're ready, we'll just kind of dive in and, uh, go from there. Yeah, let's go. Thanks so much for having me, Brooke. I'm really excited to be here. Awesome. Um, Okay, so first thing we like to talk about on the podcast, uh, because we're all about mindset and shifting our mindsets, and each of us usually have some kind of a pivotal moment uh, that helped us kind of maybe rewrite a narrative or shift the trajectory of our careers or our personal life. So for you, um, what is a pivotal breakthrough or what was a pivotal breakthrough that kind of helped you shift your mindset? Yeah, I've got two big ones that really stand out to me. So the first one I had really always been a high achiever, someone who really excels and through a string of events, I ended up in big law and I had never really envisioned that life for myself. I had wanted to be a criminal defense attorney since I was eight years old and really never changed my mind with that. But through a desire to have a lot of financial stability, which was really ingrained in me from a very young age by my parents, no fault to them. I understand why parents would want financial stability for their children, but that was made to be really important in my family. So I made a lot of decisions based on that. And I ended up in big law. And once I got there pretty early on after taking the bar exam and starting full-time as a young associate, I kind of looked around and was like, how did this happen? Yeah. I didn't want this. Like, and I felt like my life was happening to me, not that I was leading it or doing life intentionally in any way. And part of me was in a lot of blame. I really felt pressured or forced to take the steps that I had taken. And all I knew is that this wasn't the right decision for me. I feel like I had come to a fork in the road moment and I picked the path that was more palatable by society standards, but not necessarily more aligned with what I wanted to do. And 
what I had a desire to be working on and who I had a desire to be working with. So I started to examine that. And in the meantime, I decided that I didn't want to give up the money. I didn't want to sacrifice that. I wanted to create my own financial security. So I really started consuming content, podcasts, you know, anything online that I could find about entrepreneurship. I really didn't know what I wanted to do yet. I just knew I wanted to do something. And you and I have actually talked about that before, like how one thing leads to another leads to another, where you don't really understand where it's going to go, but just taking some action is really helpful. It will sort itself out in the process. So I started to do that. And in the course of really binge listening to a bunch of entrepreneurship podcasts, I found a podcast about life coaching. And the name of the podcast was the Life Coach School Podcast with Brooke Castillo. And I always tell my clients and close friends of mine, I say, what the message you need to hear has a way of finding you should you choose to open your ears and listen. Like I've actually had a word come up in conversation with friends or clients a couple times in the last week. And the word is untethered. And I'm like, that's not a word that a lot of people use in like common parlance. So the, the universe is trying to get me to pay attention to untethered. Like there's a lesson here. I need to take some time, maybe journal about it or whatever. But this same thing happened with this podcast. The first episode that I listened to was all about how the concept of like everything you have in your life and everything you don't have in your life is the result of a choice you've made. And that was a huge wake up call for me. It sounds so simple now, especially because I work as a coach and, you know, this is my wheelhouse now. This is what I do. But at the time I was really, I really felt like I was forced to go to that job every day and forced to take that job because other people wouldn't have approved of my decision not to. So being told that I had chosen all of it. And this was really the kicker that I was still choosing it every single day that you're remaking the choice every single morning that no one puts a gun to your head, makes you drive into the office that you don't want to be at, that I was choosing that over and over and over every single day was a huge wake up call for me. And once I had that awareness that I had actively chosen all of it, I had to ask myself why. And that was where like, I had this basically like an epiphany, right? Because my why, the answer that, I, that had led me there was that I cared more about other people's approval than I did in trusting my own instincts. Mm-hmm. Like in my gut, in my heart of hearts, I knew what was right for me. I knew what I wanted to be doing. And that was the fork in the road moment. It's like, follow your gut, trust yourself, do what you know is right, or do it the way you're quote unquote supposed to. Right. And it was like, wow, that's going to be problematic if you keep doing that the rest of your life. Making decisions based on receiving other people's approval or based on other people's opinions that go against your own judgment. And I was like, okay, we really got to unpack that. And I really never knew that I was a people pleaser like before that moment. I was a people pleaser before that moment, but I don't think I really had the vocabulary to like identify it as that. I would have just said like, I work really hard or I'm really dedicated that like what I was actually doing was people pleasing. So that was the first part of it. And I really dove into coaching. I learned the self-coaching model 
which is that circumstances are neutral. Your thoughts cause your feelings. Your feelings drive all of the, all of the action you take or don't take and your action produces your results. And the really neat thing about the model, it's kind of, it was, at least it was twofold for me. One, you get instant relief of feeling better because you realize that you are in control of your emotional experience. So if you don't want to feel terrible, you can change your thought about it. You get to decide whether you want to feel terrible. Sometimes we do want to feel terrible, right? But you get to control your thoughts and reframe your thinking to have a more empowered, more positive emotional experience. So immediately you get that relief. But the second step for me, which was really like the permission slip to go live my life the way that I wanted was in recognizing that if that is true for me, that my thoughts cause my feelings, that other people's actions don't cause my feelings, that their actions are neutral and my thoughts about them are what cause my feelings, then that's true for everyone else. And I was like, oh, they can be upset or they can be worried or they can like be disappointed and I didn't cause that. Are you sure? (laughs) And it really did feel like a permission slip. Like I could understand and let them be upset or let them be uncomfortable and let that be okay. I could see their model. I could understand it. I could have compassion for it, but I didn't need to change it. And I wasn't responsible for it. And once I learned that I wasn't responsible for it, I was like, okay, we can start living life on our own terms. Other people can be worried or disapproving and that's totally fine. So that was the first big one. Second one after, so I ended up getting certified as a life coach while I still worked in big law. That became my thing that I wanted to do as far as a business. I went back to the criminal defense firm that I worked at in law school for a hot second, but ultimately knew that coaching was where I really wanted to invest all of my time. So became a full-time coach, but in that transition process, leaving law to coach full-time, I had joined a program that would help me build my business because I knew how to coach, but I didn't know how to sell coaching and I didn't know how to market myself. And law school doesn't teach you how to do any of that either. Right. Not at all. (laughs) So yeah, hardly. And I decided that I was going to invest in this program called 2k for 2k with my business coach, Stacey Bayman. And I invested in it. And she has a bunch of module videos that you watch. And I probably watched about half of them when I first joined. And then I ended up doing some contract work for her about a half a year later. And I had to go through all of the content when I was training to do contract work for her, but I still wasn't applying any of it in my own business to market myself, to brand myself, to, you know, grow, make offers and put myself out there and start selling coaching and getting clients. And I started to see everyone in this community that she's created start to make a lot of money pretty quickly. But people that I had gone through certification with that were really starting to outpace me. And I was just sitting around. I'm like, what's the difference? Like why them and not me? Why them and not me? And like the honest answer is because they were doing the things and I was not doing the things. But it finally settled in. And I coach a lot of my clients on this too. They'll think that other people are smarter than them or other people have some X factor that they don't have. And it's like, what a convenient lie that our brains want to tell us. 
Because if it's true that other people just have something that we don't, end of discussion. Pack your bags, go home, stop trying. You can give up now. Like there's nothing really to be done here, right? So I settled in, and this is going to sound really arrogant, but I'm going to be really candid with your audience. <laughs> Perfect. I, I was a lawyer, right? Like I was a straight A student basically my whole life. I rocked the bar exam. Like I didn't just pass. I, I killed it. I was, I'm really smart. That's something that I think about myself. I have a brain where I can like figure anything out. Like I've built my own website. I figured out how to, you know, do graphic design before the world of Canva, like that made it easy. Like I taught myself Photoshop. I've taught myself how to do a lot of tech stuff, how to video edit, how to do X, Y, and Z. Right. So I'm pretty resourceful that way. So I was sitting there and I'm like, these people aren't smarter than me. And that doesn't mean that I went to the opposite end of that spectrum, which was like, oh, I think I'm better than them. I'm smarter than them. But I just leveled the playing field. I said, let's make an assumption that we're all just as smart as one another. Like, let's just assume that. If it's not smarts, what is it? I also don't think they're more interesting than me. I don't think I'm more interesting than them, but like, I'm pretty personable. I bartended for years so I can you know, talk, I'm not shy. I can put myself out there. I can talk to people. So I'm like, okay, that's not it either. So if it's not that, and it's not the other thing, what is it? And I just like my brain broke light bulb moment. I was like, they're willing to feel every negative emotion that I'm not like embarrassed, like confused, like frustrated, like disappointed, like discouraged and keep taking action in spite of, and despite those negative emotions, right? My biggest one was having to put myself out there in front of people that I used to work with, like the embarrassment or the anticipation of the embarrassment that I would have to feel was so uncomfortable for me. I just didn't put myself out there. So I was like, oh, I can have everything I want in my life. If I am just willing to feel the discomfort that comes with pursuing it. And like, boom, like that. I was like, oh, I'll, I'll, okay. Yeah. I, I want all of it. I want all of it badly enough to feel right. awful. So I have a saying gag and go it's gonna feel vomit. That's totally okay. Allow the discomfort gag and go your way through it. Those are my two big, like pivotal aha moments. I love that. I think this year was the first time I heard you say that, wrote that down and everybody was just like, what was that again? Yeah, <laughs> That was like an awesome way to approach it. And I think you really, I think this resonates with a lot of people. I mean, I know my journey is and has been similar, you know, as far as, you know, having some of those self-doubts. I think a lot of us do that, particularly women. Um, we definitely compare ourselves and, you know, we certainly want to know, well, why are you, you know, so far ahead? What is it that you're doing? And a lot of times we just internalize that as there's something wrong with us and, um, and then we just let it go. And so, um, you know, that, that resonated with me and also um, the supposed to's I always talk about how the supposed to's just dominated 
my life. Uh, and it was, it's like you, you don't realize that you're a people pleaser. Maybe other people know and they just don't tell you, but you don't realize that you're a people pleaser. Or you don't know that's exactly what you're doing because you also like you're assertive, you know, it's not like you're meek. And so you're thinking if you're people pleasing, you just fold to everybody, which is not really, really what it is. It, it's really that you're following somebody else's narrative for you or what you're supposed to be doing. And so for me, that was huge. Like as soon as I was like, I don't have to do this the way they told me to do it in law school. I don't have to even pursue law. I don't have to do X, Y, Z, you know, I can make my own way and it's okay to do that. So like give myself permission and get out of my own way. But I think that's, you know, if you can make that connection like you did that the supposed to's, you know, are really just somebody else's opinion, somebody else's thoughts, and that you don't, you're not responsible for that. That's huge. Again, I feel like that's something we see recurring all the time with women, whether it's in personal stuff or professional stuff, we tend to take on other people's emotions. We take on responsibility for making people comfortable. Um, like I joke around a lot and I feel like I used to feel every silence just with like some kind of joke. So it wouldn't be uncomfortable. I didn't want people to be uncomfortable. Even if I was like sad or upset, I just pushed that down. So other people weren't uncomfortable. And then, like you said, I just realized like, it's, it's in that uncomfortable. That's where they grow. So like, I'm actually doing them a disservice by totally cutting out that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I love that. I love how you, um, and also how you work with your clients, how you, you know, empower them. That's a big thing um, that we talk about on the podcast. And that's kind of a recurring thing for a lot of our guests is how can we empower women? And it's really just giving them these tools that you give them and, you know, helping them break through some of those limiting beliefs or, or misbeliefs or, you know, narratives that are not even their own um, and just kind of rewriting those things. So um, I actually wrote down too, because I'm taking some notes uh, while you're talking and I actually wrote down too. Um, I love that you said that you were like aligned with society. I really liked how you said that you weren't really aligned with yourself. I think that's an excellent like distinction for people. If you're going through things to think, you know, where does this align? Who am I aligning with? Is this aligned, you know, with me? Um, and then also, you know, I don't think we think about it. It's like we make a choice. We're at this job, but we've committed. Um, I, I did that in my marriage for 15 years. So it's like, well, I'm, I'm in it, you know, can't go anywhere because I've committed to this. And so yeah. uh, you do that with all sorts of things. And then you don't think you're waking up every single day and choosing to continue to do that. But you Choosing have to- it. It's not just a decision you make one time. You keep making it maybe unconsciously, right? I love a really powerful question here. I'm always saying, if you want better answers, you got to ask better questions. I think a great question here is, would you choose it again? Ooh, that is a good question. And you can use that with anything, with a job, with a partner, with where you live, with the stuff in your house, with the clothes you have. Like we keep so much stuff just because we once made a decision, Mm -hmm. but we're re-choosing it. And when I started to think about that in terms of like curating your physical space, like everything around you, you're choosing, right? Do you like your choices? Would you make the same choice over again? If not, like you can just get rid of stuff. I know. I love that. I love giving that permission because really, I mean, just when you said that, I was like, wow, like even that thing. And like you said, sometimes when we know these things or we talk about them, they sound 
like kind of simple to us. And so we don't recognize how profound they are. But for me, I was like, we do choose this every single day. Um, so you, you can change these things. I think if you take it that way too, it's less over, overwhelming. Um, because if you've made this commitment, especially if you're in the position where you and I were, where you feel like you're responsible for your decision or the people that are impacted, how they're going to feel about your decision, not saying don't be considerate. I'm just saying, you know, it, it is really not your responsibility if you're coming from your authenticity and your truth. And, and like I said, I was doing people a disservice because I wasn't allowing them that space. I was, you know, staying places and with people longer than I should. And it was, you know, my thing, it was really at, at one point I was like, it's kind of selfish of me, like, cause I'm comfortable or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I think that is, it's just so impactful to me for you to be able to wake up because then you can wake up every day and not be dreading that day or, you know, not feel, I think the word we use a lot and I hear a lot is feeling stuck. So totally. many women that I talk to are stuck and it's, you know, it's all about the choices that you make and it's not always easy to change those. And, and like you said, it's those uncomfortable feelings. It's, I don't want to feel sad. I don't want to, yeah. and then you push all that down. I've done it forever uh, until I realized that you got to grieve through that stuff. I think what is one of the distinctions that I like to point out to people is we have, it's a really easy habit of conflating ease with comfort. <laughs> a lot of stuff is really easy. Like Perfect example, dieting. This came up for me. I've been like kind of on a year long weight loss journey. And I remember in the very beginning of it, I was super feeling super frustrated. And I was telling myself this lie. I just want food to be easy. I just want food to be easy. I just want food to be easy. And then I finally caught myself in it. And I was like, you fibber, look at you lie into yourself. (laughs) And I caught it because I did not want food to be easy. I wanted food to be exciting. I wanted it to be like dramatic a little bit. I wanted it to be fun. I wanted it to be entertaining. I liked the whole ritual, especially during the pandemic of like, I could take 20 minutes and like go through DoorDash and like, Ooh, what looks good tonight? Like it was something to do. Right. And then like it comes and if it's like flavorful and quote unquote, not that great for you. Like it's indulgent. So you get to feel that. And I caught myself in this thought error, this lie. I was like, you don't want food to be easy. Food gets easy, super fast. You know how you make food easy. You plan to eat the same thing every day and you eat it. We can make it so easy. So quickly what it wasn't. And I'm like, why that's easy. What else is it boring? right? Like I'd have to be bored. I'd have to feel deprived. So it's easy. It's just not comfortable. Mm -hmm. Same thing with like quitting a job. You walk into someone's office, at least now as the world starts to reopen, right? You go in and you say, I'm putting in my notice. It's like one sentence, right? That's not difficult. It's easy to do. Like it's not strenuous. You don't have to exert that much effort. Like it's an easy thing to do. It's just super uncomfortable. Yeah. So I like to d- distinguish between the two because then you get a little bit more access to the insight of like what negative emotions would I have to be willing to feel in this moment in order to take that action to accomplish the result that I ultimately want. I love that. That's a really good analogy too. Cause I think a lot of people can relate to the food analogy as well. Uh, mm-hmm. because we do tend to do that. Um, 
Yeah. So earlier, I want to go back to um, you kind of touched on the model that you follow, um, the self-coaching tool. And so I kind of want to go back and, and revisit that because I don't know um, how familiar all of our listeners are, but it's a super effective tool for you to, you know, work through the, the small things and all the things. So um, can you kind of go back and explain a little bit more about the model and what it looks like and how it works? Yeah. So the best way I know this, you know, is an audio platform. So I'll give the best visual I can, but imagine five words stacked on top of each other, right? Kind of like a flow chart. I was the flow chart girl in law school. So everyone <laughs> can kind of envision that maybe that's why I like it so much. Uh, I'm also a little bit of a math nerd and I like how it's formulaic and how it's applicable to every, every single situation. There is no situation that the model does not apply to. So I really like how broadly applicable this tool is. It just makes sense for my math brain. Anyways, five words stacked on top of each other. There are five interrelated components. First one, circumstances. Second one, thoughts. Third one, feelings. Fourth one, actions. Fifth one, results. Now circumstances, this is a huge premise of the model. And this goes against basically everything we're taught as children, but it's the best thing to learn as an adult because it gives us all of our power back. It gives us all of our agency back. So the premise of the model is based first and foremost on this. Circumstances are neutral. Circumstances are facts that we would all agree upon. So events that take place, things people do or say without any adjectives, qualifiers, opinion statements, words we would read on a transcript, actions that we could see played back to us on a television. I, you can clearly tell I did trial work, <laughs> <laughs> but circumstances are neutral. Okay. We're not taught that growing up. We're taught that circumstances are either positive or negative and they directly cause our feelings. All right. That's not actually the case. Circumstances themselves are neutral. It's our thoughts, which are just sentences in our brain. It's our thoughts that aren't neutral, that are positive or negative instead. And it's our thoughts, not the circumstances. It's our positive or negative thoughts that cause our positive or negative feelings. Feelings are just one word emotions that we experience as vibrations in our body, which for someone who's a math girl and a flowchart nerd sounds a little too woo woo, but when we really slow ourselves down and we think about it, right. I feel angry in my face. I feel excited in my chest. And if we were to get more specific about it, like there's excited feels light and energetic and kind of fluttery anger. I feel in my face, it gets hot. Uh, and kind of like maybe a pulsing or like a warm pressure heat. Uh, embarrassed is my least favorite emotion of all the emotions. And I feel it in the pit of my stomach. And I have a really fun visual that I use to describe to people. It's like a little Martian in there with a bottle of bleach, just like glug, 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 pouring it. Cause it feels like there's literally a hole in my stomach. So that's my visualization for when I feel embarrassed, what's going on there. And bored is another one that was really hard for me for a long time to pinpoint but bored, I feel as a really kind of irritating vibration, like buzzing underneath my skin and my arms and legs. Like it's out pressure that's coming from inward that wants to go outward. That's like looking for release. And bored is one of my least favorite emotions too. I don't like to feel it. 
So circumstances are neutral. Our thoughts aren't, they're positive or negative thoughts cause our feelings, feelings cause or drive the action we take. And action really slips into two categories here. Either something you do, I'm going to go back to my trial lawyer days, like an overt action you take where you're actually doing something. I like to use the term productive action, but I don't mean productive in like a positive way, right? That like you, oh, you got a lot accomplished. You could binge Netflix all day. And I wouldn't necessarily call that a productive action, depending on what your goals are for the day, but you did something. There's inaction, which would be like procrastinating, spinning and indecision, worrying, right? Where you're not actually accomplishing anything. You're kind of just like sitting and you're in your own head. So there's action and inaction. And action we take produces our results, which ultimately means our thoughts produce our results, which is a really different way of looking at the world. Typically, most people are only focused on the action they take produces the results, but they're not addressing the thoughts and feelings behind the action that they're taking or not taking. What I find to be most monumental or most helpful about the model is the first three components and the distinction between them. Really learning that circumstances are neutral and that it's your thoughts that cause your feelings instead. And we're not taught this growing up. We're taught at a very young age that circumstances directly cause our feelings. And a perfect small example of this is, Olivia, you have to apologize to Brooke. What you said hurt her feelings which is never true, right? There would be the words that I say, and then Brooke would have a thought about them and she would feel hurt because of that thought. And sometimes we want to choose to feel hurt. We want to choose to think that what someone said to us was unacceptable or really rude or not nice, but it wasn't inherently rude. That's a matter of opinion. And you get to, if you want to feel offended, you can totally choose to keep thinking that it's rude. But if you don't like how offended feels, you can change the thought. And I always use a really simple example of this with my clients. My mom will call me sometimes and she'll have just gotten off the phone with her sister and she'll be like, oh, what she said was so rude. And I'm like, no, 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 no. What were the exact words? Don't call your daughter who's the life coach and try that. <laughs> like, let's break it down. What were the exact words? So then we'll, I'll get the circumstance from her. Person, you know, aunt said X, Y, or Z in quotations. And then my mom's thought is what she said was rude. And my mom feels offended. Now I don't feel offended. I feel like mildly amused because this happens every time they talk. So my thought is, of course, she said that this happens every time you guys talk, same exact circumstance. My thought is different. My thought is, of course, she said that. And my feeling is mildly amused. Now, if we were to involve my aunt in this situation, same exact circumstance, my aunt would think a totally different thought. She would think I'm just being direct and to the point. And she would probably feel really justified. And if circumstances caused our feelings, all three of us would have to feel the exact same emotion. We would have to either all three feel offended, all three feel amused, or all three feel justified. And because we don't, we know that it's like an Oreo cookie with something in the middle that's actually producing that causation, that causal relationship. Once we know that we can just reverse engineer. So we can always find what are we thinking about a fact that's making us feel that way. And awareness gives us so much of our power back so much more agency. 
I love that. Um, and I love this model too. And it does make so much sense. I love how you break it down and you guys can't see Olivia, but I've seen her like actually do this live and she's very good with visuals. <laughs> so, um, but still, I feel like that really uh, hit home. But one thing I took from that, uh, which is important, like we do this in our program. And then it's something like I try to really work hard on too, when I'm working with people or meet new people, or even I'm, I'm interacting with people, but, you know, partners or friends or family um, is that, you know, those communication styles are so different. And so, and people take things different ways. So for me, I don't take things personally. And I like to take a direct approach, like you were, you know, saying, so for me, I'm not wasting time. I'm being direct with you. I feel like that's better than me, you know, kind of gaslighting you or like, you know, telling you what you want to hear and then sitting here and being mad about it or whatever, yeah. um, but not everybody feels that way. And so it's so crazy the the unique, um, differences in the way people communicate, the way people perceive, but this, everything, since I learned about this model, everything I do, if I do have those feelings, I stop myself and, you know, I, I'm like, okay, why am I having these feelings? And then I run through this and, um, I like, because if you go, you know, sometimes it's, you're going from top to bottom with these things and, um, you know, it may be a little bit difficult, but once you get to the end, if you go backwards, you'll see exactly where it led right back to that thought that you had. So it's always really fascinating to me, but you're right. You can apply this to every single, you know, situation, but I love the way that you explain it. Um, uh, you explain it better than anywhere that I've heard it. So. Thank you. One thing like this is a soup, this People, my clients hate when I tell them this, but I'm going to share it with your audience and maybe it'll hit home and help someone. Emails have no tone, mm. right? I have so many conversations with people. They're like, that tone of that email was just so rude. <laughs> it was really mean. It was so aggressive. Like they were offensive. Like that was an offensive email. Emails have no tone. You can think that an email has tone but you're reading it into it based on your perception, right? The email, the circumstance there is the words that someone said in an email. And then you think a thought about it. You get to choose to think whatever thought you want. My advice is always pick a thought that serves you versus one that doesn't. But I work with so many people that are either afraid of their inbox because they're afraid of tone and email, or they're terrified of the tone that they're communicating or conveying in an email. So really just a simple model. There is just like, whatever the words are, the words are, you have a thought about it and your thought causes your feeling. So pay attention to that. I also like to tell people the flip side of this is when you are writing an email rather than worrying about how it will be perceived, which we can never control because we can't control other people's thoughts or feelings. What you can do is control your thoughts and feelings that are driving you to write the words you say. So if you're, if you're feeling frustrated and you're writing a frustrated email, even though I still stand by emails have no tone, chances are a person it will be a little bit more likely that they choose to think a thought that's a little bit less positive about it. So you can come from the cleanest place possible when you're communicating and it'll come off. Even if you're saying the same words, they just come off differently. I love that. Yeah. I don't even think about that because that is some place people will say text tone or, you know, aggressive emails. Um, and then, you know, sometimes I go there too. I'm like, why do I think that was passive aggressive, especially if it comes out of nowhere. I think that's probably one of my biggest pet peeves when I just really have no 
like ill intentions and I say something or do something and then somebody <laughs> reacts in a way that I'm just surprised by because I didn't mean that and I didn't come from that place and yeah. then I'm like do you think that of me so I like get kind of a little bit triggered in those situations too because I'm like I don't know what got you from here to here um but yeah that that's a real thing uh and I, I feel like a lot of people struggle with that but that's really good to keep in mind uh just to have that almost neutrality to mm -hmm. to just approach things as neutral and then make the choices that best serve you like you said earlier um, another thing I really like that you talk about is gag and go, um, and that that's your mantra. Can you kind of, uh, you mentioned it earlier, but can you kind of like tell us how you use that, uh, tool to kind of support your mindset and, uh, staying, you know, on that higher frequency? Yeah. So one of the fun things that I love to do with the model is to reverse engineer it. So you start with the result that you want to create and you work it back backwards. So you identify your desired result. You ask yourself, what are the actions that I would need to take in order to create that result? You list them all out as many as you can be very specific. Then ask yourself, what positive emotion would I need to feel in order to take all of that action? And what would I need to think in order to feel that way? So that's running an intentional model to get yourself in like the right mindset and to practice building a new belief that will drive you to take that action. And this is where I see like some of this work fall a little bit short. You're like, great. I have my intentional model, but I to don't totally believe this like beautiful intentional thought and I'm not taking action. What's the problem? I'm like, awesome. This makes total sense. Take every action that you have in that intentional model that you listed out all of them. And for each action, ask yourself, what's the negative emotion I'll be forced to feel if I force myself to do this thing, right? So let's say you're an entrepreneur and you're marketing yourself in your business, right? Posting on social media, it, like, you know, you should be doing it or you want to be doing it because it's beneficial. You want to be putting yourself out there, but you're just not doing it. Maybe you'll be forced to feel confused caused by the thought. I don't know what I should post, or you'll be forced to feel exposed right? Caused probably by the thought, like what, it, maybe some people won't like it. Some people think this is stupid that like exposed and embarrassed kind of go hand in hand together. Um, if you keep taking action and you don't get results, you might be forced to feel discouraged or disappointed, right? So ask yourself, which with each specific action, I always, time management's a really good one here too. Uh, people that can like plan their time and then tr work on sticking to that schedule, the sticking to the schedule is the hard part. Ask yourself how you'll be forced to feel if you stick to it. Normally it's forced, controlled, bored, or bothered or constrained. Any of those, like people really don't like, they try and rebel against those emotions. So you find the negative emotions that you're avoiding. Okay. By asking yourself, how would I be forced to feel if I just forced myself to do this? I like to make a whole list of them. I used to write them down. Like, how are we going to feel when we do this webinar that like, you're really have to feel nervous, have to feel stupid, have to feel confused, have to feel exposed, maybe embarrassed. I used to write them down when I did consults with people, basically sales calls, right? I used to hate doing them, especially in the early days of my business. And I would know that I would need to stand for my clients and their transformation and like push them on their limiting beliefs and their stories, which was really uncomfortable for me. Cause I was brought up 
you don't talk about money. It's rude. So I used to have to write down rude to ask them, like, is it true? You know, this excuse you just gave me, do you really need to think about it? Or are you just waiting to feel more certain? Like, oh my goodness, mom, (laughs) so uncomfortable. So all of those different negative emotions, all that different discomfort is what you're avoiding, right? The thought of moving forward and having to feel that is vomi, as I like to say, right? Kind of makes you nauseous. That's where gag and go comes in. It's like, great. You know, you're in exactly the right place. Everything's happening right on cue. You're supposed to feel vomi. Now gag and go. Like the discomfort is not a problem. Just gag and go your way through it. You've survived every negative emotion you've ever felt. You'll survive these two, just gag and go. And just the simplicity of it. It's like, yeah, time to gag and go. Like it, it accepts that the discomfort's normal, that it's supposed to be there and that it's not a good enough reason to not take action. So I say take action in spite of, and despite the discomfort by gagging and going. I love that so much. Um, so we are coming to the end of our time, but I do want to ask you, we kind of ask everyone this question, um, but if you could go back and tell your younger self uh, before this, before your breakthroughs, just one piece of advice uh, to take away or for moving forward, what would you tell your younger self? Ooh, this one's really good. Um... Probably the, the biggest thing that it's funny. I listen to a lot of Gary Vaynerchuk and it's so interesting. I've listened to him for quite a while. I used to hate him. He was so loud. And now I'm like, if you're not yelling at me, I don't want to listen to you. Like, please yell at me between him and Tony Robbins. But I remember listening to him when I was younger and I didn't get a lot of what he was talking about of like, be humble. Like struggling is fine if you just like put your head down and get to the other side of it. Like you'll get there if you are just like relentless in the pursuit, if you don't give up. I'm a big believer in like, you cannot fail if you don't quit. It's just not an option. You're just always either winning or learning. The only way failure becomes feasible is if you entertain the idea of quitting. But I, he always used to talk about like how, in your twenties, like you're just so young and that you don't have to have it all figured out. And that life is actually pretty long and you've got all this time. Right. And I was really someone who bought into the idea of like, you have to have it all figured out by 25 and that like, you better have it figured out before 30. And now I'm 32, which I still consider like wildly young. And I've got like the next couple years figured out and I've got big, huge goals, but I leave so much room for like change to happen. Who knows if I'll be in the same place? Who knows 10 years from now, if I'll be in the same business, I have, you know, ambitious an ambitious vision for what I want to do with my, my current business. But just knowing that like life will change and the path that I'm on right now might not be the path that I'm on later. I had a lot of Uh, internal mind drama about stepping away from the practice of law. And was that a good thing? Was that a bad thing? That wasn't what I had envisioned for myself. And so a lot of the things that he teaches, like be humble, 
I was so focused on like what money could buy in my twenties. And now I'm like, yeah, you could spend money on that or you could not. So I started to fall more in love with like having money than having what money can buy and really being in it. This is the biggest takeaway, really being in it for the pursuit, not for the achievement. So not being in it for the trophies, but the pursuit of the trophies. Gary Vaynerchuk talks a lot about, he wants to buy the New York Jets eventually. And he's like, I don't want to like, I don't want enough money right now to buy them. I like a 40 year goal of pursuing my dream of buying the Jets. And a lot of it looks really unglamorous. Mm -hmm. And I feel that way in my business now, like yeah, I'll hit some mile markers and I'll hit the goals that I set for myself. But like, it's the day in and day out of like learning how to get a webinar that X number of people go to and like learning how to promote something in a different way and learning how to like launch a podcast or the learning of it, the constant pursuit of entrepreneurship uh, is really amazing to me rather than being focused on the trophies. And I think that analogy applies in any type of business, even the practice of law. I love that. I love it. It's just that journey that, you know, to getting there and because once you get there, you're there. So what's your next step? And it's always moving forward. So thank you so much, Olivia, for joining me today. I'm really excited that you agreed to come on the podcast. Um, I could probably talk to you all day and you have so many things uh, that I think resonate with our audience. Um, If you guys want to get in touch with Olivia, we're going to have all of her information in the show notes, but thanks for tuning in today. And thanks again, Olivia. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode of the Shift Her Podcast. We are here to share stories that inspire so that you can create the life you love now. If you liked what you heard, please leave us a review, share on social media, and tell us why it resonated with you. You can follow us on Facebook at Shift Her instagram at shifter.co and read more about us at www.shifter.co while you're there sign up for our high vibe monthly newsletter where we share even more inspiration and stories from our mastermind program links from today's episode are in the show notes